Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, Welcome. Summer is a time for vacation and relaxation. The weather brings trips to the beach, summer camp, and oasis of sun and play. But this kind of heat this summer can make some people go crazy. And it's the kind of heat that can summon the devil. First, summer camp nightmare, followed by a desperate plea from the dead. Then, hide-and-seek gone devastatingly wrong. Finally, in our featured story, theater turns from drama to tragedy in one night. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Summertime Slaughter Summer camp is a treasured memory for many. But not everyone feels so fondly. In fact, for some, camp can be an utter nightmare. Like in this story inspired by Leafy and Axel. 12-year-old Eliza was having a miserable time at Camp Conaqui. Unathletic, awkward, quiet. She was homesick and friendless in the Pennsylvania woods. 
Most of the other kids avoided her as she was uninterested in hiking, swimming, or any of the other regular rituals. To make matters even worse, she had a top bunk. Despite a fear of heights and every morning, she very carefully scaled down her bunk to leave the cabin, much to the everlasting amusement of the rest of her cabin mates. She hated everything about camp until the annual Conoquy dance party. That night, she put on her best purple dress and tentatively made her way to the auditorium. She loved dressing up and purple was her favorite color. A boy named Amos waved to her. Hey, you're the girl who always wears purple. I love your dress, he said. They chatted through the whole dance. At that moment, just chatting with another kind soul, she felt the misery of the past few weeks lift. They said goodbye, and Eliza was elated. But that would be short-lived. Eliza's bunkmate, Chloe, intended to play a joke on Eliza. The girls in the cabin had been teasing the miserable girl for weeks, and by herself, Chloe had been planning a very particular prank. Late that night, as Eliza slept, Chloe changed the cabin alarm clock to 4 a.m., set it to full volume and placed it next to Eliza's head. She could barely contain her laughter, imagining Eliza sprinting out of bed into the middle of the still dark woods. Chloe stayed awake all night waiting for the alarm. At 4 a.m., the alarm blasted into Eliza's ears. Eliza jolted upright and in her haste, she forgot that she was on a top bunk. Catapulting from the bed, she fell straight down, her head slamming hard against the dresser and twisting her neck at a horrible angle, then falling further as her head then hit the floor with a resounding crack. The other campers stared in horror as blood streamed across the floor, her eyes wide open and devoid of life. The counselors and later the police questioned the girls in the cabin about this horrible accident and again and again about that alarm clock in Eliza's bed. Chloe kept quiet about it, so no one knew who had played the prank inadvertently killing Eliza. So along with everyone else, Chloe ended up being cleared of blame. That night, relieved, she slept soundly. But when she dreamed, it was eerie and vividly realistic. In her dream, Chloe was alone in the cabin and it was time for breakfast. She got up and went to push the creaky screen door, but it wouldn't budge. She tried again, but it was no use. Just then, she heard a soft laugh. <laughs> she turned around and standing across from her was Eliza. In her best purple dress, eyes vacant and rolling in her skull, bleeding from the back of her head. She stood there, cradling the cabin alarm clock. Chloe yelled at her to go away, fumbling at the door. Chloe slid to the ground as Eliza loomed over her. She muttered a terrified apology, pleading with her that it was all a joke. She didn't mean for her to get hurt. Instead, Eliza put the alarm against Chloe's head and let it ring over and over, louder and louder. That morning, 
The other campers were horrified to find Chloe in bed, the alarm clock ringing loudly next to her head. But instead of waking up, she lay still and silent. When they got closer, they saw blood streaming out of her ears. She never woke up again. To this day, the kids at Camp Conaqui tell the story of Eliza and Chloe. Occasionally, when they dream, they see a girl in a purple dress, holding an alarm clock and walking towards them. No alarm clocks are allowed in the cabins at that camp anymore, just in case Eliza decides to kill again. Thank you so much, Leafy and Axel, for inspiring this summer camp of horror. Listener, what are your scary memories from summer camp? Did you see any ghosts, conjure spirits, or maybe hold a seance? If this happened at your summer camp, would you dare go back? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Grief and longing are two of the most powerful emotions we experience. Managed well, they can motivate and heal, but they can also drive us to acts beyond our imagination. Like in this story, inspired by Haven. Dustin was grieving. He had just lost his father and couldn't be consoled by his mother, Char, or sister, Harper. Going through their father's materials, they discovered that he had secretly purchased a cabin. Dustin's mom figured that spending some time there might be a good way to remember him and process their grief. So they made the trek to the cabin, deep in the woods outside Portland. The cabin was disheveled. Books were strewn across the floor. The windows were open and a cold breeze was blowing through. As they unpacked, their mom handed out walkie-talkies in case anyone got lost or separated. Dustin turned his on and adjusted it to get rid of the static and crackling. 
But instead of a clear signal, the static morphed into a strange voice. He slowly turned it up. The person was whispering in a language that sounded ancient, but the voice sounded so familiar. Let's go for a walk, his mother suggested. Dustin turned off the walkie-talkie and put it in his backpack. They were walking for what felt like hours, and Dustin was exhausted. He told his mother and sister to continue on and he'd catch up. Alone, he turned on the walkie-talkie again to hear the same strange voice still whispering. Then, out of the corner of his eye, he saw him. It was his father standing in the middle of the woods as healthy as he'd ever remembered him. Dustin was too shocked to respond. His father smiled and beckoned him to follow. Dustin desperately missed him and was eager to oblige when he heard his mother calling for him. Dustin glanced in the direction of his mother's voice and when he looked back, his father had disappeared. That night, they built a fire outside the cabin helping it along with a bit of lighter fluid. They shared stories about their dad. Dustin remembered how much he had enjoyed his dad's grilling. Harper mused about how bad he was at shaving, and Char was more reserved. She mentioned that before he got sick, they were growing apart, and she felt so guilty, wished that she could make amends. Suddenly, the walkie-talkie turned itself on, and the voice returned. Now they could all hear it. Where was it coming from? They turned back towards the fire and gasped. Their father was sitting across from them on the other side of the fire. It's so good to see you again, he said. Harper and Dustin screamed and ran into the cabin. They looked out to see their mother standing with their father, What was she doing? She didn't seem scared. She was conferring with him. Their father turned to the cabin. When I learned that I was terminal, I began looking for a way to be with you, my family, forever. He yelled to Harper and Dustin. All I want is to be a family again. I loved watching you grow up. You are my life just like you would say I was yours when you were younger. Dustin was conflicted. He wanted his dad back, but not like this. Harper picked up a dark and dusty, leather-bound book from the floor. Strange markings adorned the cover and the musty pages inside, and suddenly understood. She gasped. Their father had been using the cabin to study the occult. It will be okay, their mom said, a contented yet creepy smile coming over her face. We must do whatever we can to be together again. Their parents came close together and turned and walked towards the cabin. You buried my body, but my soul is tied to this land, their dad said. We can always be together here. Dustin and Harper yelled at their father to stay away and not to come near the cabin. As they pleaded with him, they didn't notice 
that Char had pulled out the full spare gasoline can that was usually in the back of the car. She began to douse the cabin while the kids were distracted with their father, and before they could realize and stop her, she reached into her pocket and tossed a lit open metal lighter. The rickety cabin went up in flames with Harper and Dustin inside. Char turned to her creepily smiling husband and they solemnly walked into the burning cabin together. The next morning, two hikers came across the charred remains of the cabin. One smashed down the door to search for survivors but found nothing. He called the forest ranger to make a report. While he waited, he swore he spotted something through the thicket. A family. A mom, dad, son, and daughter. He called after them, but they didn't respond. They just went on their way, each with the same contented and creepy smiles. Thank you so much, Haven, for inspiring this, let's say, summer campfire story. Have you ever been visited by the dead? Do you have a story of someone coming back to visit you? Tell us about it at somethingscary@snarl.com. They say that opposites attract, kind of like good to evil. But two sides of one coin can never truly exist at the same time. At some point, one side or the other will prevail. Like in this story, inspired by an anonymous, devoted podcast veteran. The local church ran an all-girls summer school. There were only two reasons anyone ended up there. Either their parents thought it would be good for them to be closer to God, or they were a real troublemaker. Lucian was the latter. She was a mean older sister. She would torment her siblings endlessly, locking them in closets and telling them that ghosts were coming to get them in the night. Her parents begged her to stop, but Lucian wouldn't listen. One day, with no idea what left to do, her parents enrolled her in Bible camp with the Sisters of Peace and Eternity. We will take care of her, the nuns promised her parents. There is no child that we cannot help. But Lucian was not any child. She refused to go to chapel. She spat at the sisters. When they insisted she go to confession, she ran into the woods and hid overnight. On her way back to camp the next morning, she saw another camper looking at some birds in a tree. Hi, I am Floor, she said. Floor was as good as Lucian was not. But Lucian was desperate to have someone to talk to. Their friendship was an unexpected one, but quickly blossomed. Lucian tried to rope Floor into all of her plots and schemes. But Floor, being Floor, she always politely declined. But when Lucian stole the keys from Sister Mary for what Lucian called a little game called Midnight Luck, she relented. It was just a game. It would be fun to sneak out of their cabins, and tonight was a full moon. A night that could be used for anything. The darkness inside will finally be let loose into the world for everyone to be cleansed, 
said Lucian as she explained the rules of the game to Fleur and the other girls in her bunk. Midnight Luck was a game similar to Hide and Seek. Everyone hides in different places around the camp while the seeker counts to a hundred. The game was adapted from an ancient legend of a Krampus-like demon who found villagers at night and dug his sharp talons into the shoulders of anyone who was out too late. But not just anyone. He was looking for sinners. People who had committed grave mistakes and had to be taught a lesson. But in this game, Lucian explained, the seeker will just make a stabbing gesture on the hider's shoulder. Later that night, the campers went to sleep as usual. At midnight, Lucian's face lit up as she caught Fleur's gaze from her bunk. It was time. The whole clique quietly crept out together. Once out of the cabin, Lucian declared that Fleur would go count in the attic above the chapel. The group gasped and murmured with opinions. The attic was forbidden and creepy from the stories they had heard, but no one was going to question Lucian. So, Fleur went to the attic and began to count. Everyone scattered to their hiding spots. Sinners, good luck. Your best midnight luck, whispered Fleur. After a long time of playing, everyone had been pretend stabbed by Fleur. She was very good at this game. Everyone except Lucian. The girl spread out to help Fleur find her, turning the whole place upside down. But after a while, they gave up hope and agreed she was obviously a master at hiding and now was just messing with them. They crept back into their bunks and went to sleep. They woke up later to a sudden roll call shouting, Roberts? Lucian Roberts? No response. Silence. Where was she? After the whole camp searched for hours, Lucian's lifeless body was discovered in the attic, a large gaping hole in her shoulder region. Fleur was the only one that didn't seem surprised. She whispered under her breath. They shouldn't be that surprised. She was a sinner. Her midnight luck just ran out. Thank you so much, Anonymous, for inspiring this Bible camp horror. Have you ever played the game Midnight Luck? What other terrifying games have you played with your friends? Did any of them end this poorly for one of you? Many old buildings have a tragic history. Usually, we're safe in the knowledge that the past is where that tragedy remains. But when that tragedy is so profound that it doesn't stay buried, it can reach out to us when we least expect it. Daisy had just started working as a stage manager at the historic St. James Theatre in Wellington, New Zealand. She'd had plenty of jobs before, but this job was the first real step in the career she'd always dreamed of. The theater was majestic, but a bit run down. It hadn't staged a new production since the 1920s. As she walked down the aisle, she ran her hand against the plush red velvet seats. The play would begin in a few weeks, but her excitement was tempered by an uneasy feeling that began to wash over her. 
First, it was the moldy prop closet. Then it was the lights that would inexplicably flicker on and off. But she rationalized her worries, writing them off to new job jitters. It wasn't long, though, before one of the older stagehands, Omar, told her that the St. James had a reputation for being haunted. Helga and Polly Byron were twins, Omar explained. Helga was the established older sister. Polly was her understudy, eager for the spotlight. But as soon as Polly's star started to shine, Helga became jealous. Eventually, Helga's jealousy grew so consuming that one night before a premiere, she fatally stabbed her younger sister as she walked on stage under the spotlights. Realizing what she'd done, Helga turned the knife on herself, and to this day, no one goes into their dressing room. Daisy rolled her eyes. She didn't have time for ghost stories. She had a play to put on. Daisy was a driving and motivating force for the crew. Her work ethic and technical know-how shined bright. This next production was sure to be a great success, and mainly thanks to her leadership behind the scenes. That night, Daisy stayed late to shut the theater down. She didn't mind, as it gave her more time to feel at home in the place. But in closing up, she passed Polly and Helga's dressing room. It was almost like it was calling to her, subtly marked off with tape, undisturbed for years. The product of superstitious theater people, she thought, as she impulsively tore the tape down and walked in. The room was totally bare. Adhered on one wall, a large, dusty mirror. She looked in the mirror and, out of the corner of her eye, she saw someone walk by behind her. She immediately backed out of the room and rushed back to the main stage. Daisy had seen enough and was eager to leave, when suddenly, the lights shut off, plunging the theater into darkness. Daisy groped the seat, struggling to find her way. She knew there were two exit signs and stumbled toward the closest one. But there, blocking her way, was a woman. Silhouetted in darkness, she approached slowly as Daisy turned towards the other exit. But another woman blocked her in that direction. They were pinning her in, slowly pushing her to the stage. Daisy climbed onto the stage to escape her pursuers, and to her surprise, the spotlight snapped on. And then she saw them, Helga and Polly Byron, wearing matching costumes of Lady Macbeth from the last production that had happened in this theater before it was shut down. They were identical twins, identical costumes, identical scars that lined their stab wounds, even down to the identical gleam in their eyes. Daisy turned to run upstage, but they were quicker. Helga unsheathed a knife and stabbed Daisy through the shoulder, pinning her down to the floor. As Daisy screamed and squirmed in vain to escape, Polly silently glided forward. She circled her, quizzically, puzzling over her part in this performance. Polly then gripped the stuck knife and dragged it down through Daisy's body with supernatural strength, nearly splitting her in two. After Daisy stopped breathing, Helga and Polly stepped back to admire their work, bowed to the sounds of ghostly applause, and vanished. 
The next morning, Omar returned to the theater to find it still unlocked from the night before. When he saw the stage and what once was Daisy, he screamed. While waiting for the police, he saw the opened dressing room door and knew that they had to have done it. Of course, the police didn't believe him. So yet another production was canceled at the historic St. James Theater. Inside, the Byron sisters still wait, ready to perform with anyone who dares to shine brighter than them. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Gail Gilman. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. Executive producer, Gail Gilman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.